Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Every day on the I Work For Him show, we try to take a different approach at looking at the way you and I think about our faith and our work and how they interconnect. Today, we're taking a look back. Where did I Work For Him come from and how did we get here? For all those tuning in for the first time today to the I Work For Him show, we've been on the air for almost two and a half years. We've done 309 shows But if you don't know those, we're going to try to give you a little balance today, a little bit where we came from, the road that led to here. And I'm joined today by my incredible, awesome, super-duper, fantastic wife, Martha. I am privileged to be married to her for 29 years, and she's going to help share the story that God, how God led us here. Martha, it's been a long road getting here, hasn't it? It has, and we're so excited to be here today. Yeah, it is. uh, I wanted to just give people perspective, because as you tune in today, so if you don't know who Jim Brangenberg is and you don't know who Martha Brangenberg is, we wanted to just tell you, hey, how's the Lord laid this workplace ministry radio show on our hearts? And so just a little bit about myself. I grew up in a typical suburban home in Minnesota. That's right. I am Minnesotan heart through and through. I know we're broadcasting live from Tampa Bay on Faith Talk 570 and 910, but my heart's in the tundra. Every reference I give to the tundra, just talking about my love for the cold temperatures, the snow and the ice. But we don't have a lot of those here unless you're inside the uh, hockey arena or your refrigerator freezer. So we're, that's my perspective. 
But I've always, I've been an entrepreneur from the time I was eight. I sold door-to-door greeting cards as an eight-year-old. And when that got, and I did that so I could get a fishing pole. Then I sold newspapers. And then I got this idea. My dad said, hey, you know, every time we play golf, we hit balls into the water. And I said, dad, are we supposed to hit balls into the water? He goes, no, we're not supposed to, but a lot of people do. And I said, wow, that's really expensive. We should get those balls out of there. He goes, well, you're not supposed to. Well, I didn't really know Jesus at that point in time. And, And I just started swimming in the golf ponds and grabbing the golf balls and grabbing them out and being covered with leeches. But I'd clean those balls up, give them to my dad. He'd sell them to his buddies. I started making money as a, as a young kid selling golf balls to my dad's friends. It was great to have a dad who had a lot of friends. And I realized, you know, that wasn't going to pay my way through college. And so my dad bought me a snowblower. For those of you who don't know what a snowblower is, it's like a Zamboni shrunk down a little bit, takes the snow off of the ice and doesn't lick the ice like a Zamboni does. But I started snowblowing driveways. That's what paid my way through uh, through high school. So and paid my way, gave me some spending money, but paid my way through college. So that leads us right up to my start of my journey with Christ, really with Him being the Lord of my life on a very incredible day, Friday the thirteenth. That's right. Everybody goes, "Ooh, Friday the thirteenth." It was an incredible day. Let me just tell you why, Martha. It was an incredible day, wasn't it? It was. It really was for both of us. We were at a youth conference t- together separately. Martha lived in Illinois at the time. I lived in the frozen tundra in Minneapolis at the time. And we were at a youth conference in San Diego, California, San Diego State University, in a crowd of about 2,000 students. We're listening to a uh, a speaker, Bill McKee, I think was his name, and he was doing prophecy speaking at the beginning of the week. He says, hey, at the end of the week, I'm going to ask you, do you want to give your life to Christ? Do you want to rededicate your life to Christ? Or do you want to commit your life to Christ for full-time Christian ministry? And I knew by the end of that week that I needed to make a decision. What was I going to do with Jesus in my life? And so, Martha, you were there too. Yes, I was. And we, it wasn't until years later we figured out that we both were at the same conference. So we came to that Friday night, Friday the 13th, July 1979. And Bill McKee gives this, this invitation and he says, Hey, if you want to give your life to Christ, go ahead, raise your hand. So all my friends, some of my friends around me did, and I'm like, that's not what I need to do. Do you want to rededicate your life? I'm like, yeah, that's not what I really need to do. And then he says, hey, if you want to commit your life to full-time Christian ministry, and I said, that's what I really want to do. And what did you say in your heart? Do you remember this night? Did you? Oh, I remember it very well. Um, I, I, re- I remember him giving the challenges and a lot of people around us that were saying, you know what, I want to commit my life to Christ for the first time. And um, it was very exciting to see those things happen. But much like you, just... Then he drops the bomb. Mm-hmm. He says, well, if you want to commit your life to full-time Christian ministry, I want you to stand up in front of all your friends and say, here am I, Lord, send me. And we're like, ooh, that's a deal killer. No way <laughs> am I doing that. But I knew that I wanted to commit my life to full-time ministry. I had no idea at the point in time that we could do ministry no matter what we did. But I knew that I wanted to commit my life to full-time Christian ministry. And so... That night, both Martha and I made that same commitment in that crowd, standing up amongst our peers, making that commitment. Here am I, Lord, send me. July 13th, 1979. That was the day that the Lord intersected our lives together, but we didn't even know each other yet. We've been on the air for two and a half years, but we've been had the, had the huge privilege of moving over here to the Salem Media Group right here on Faith Talk 570 and 910. We're talking today about how do we get here? How did I work for him get on the air? And, and this is a show that we did two and a half years ago, my very first radio show. This one will be significantly better. We'll probably just have to put this one in place of that very first show so it's not so embarrassing. So we talked right before the break about how 
The Lord led us together, Martha, on July the 13th, 1979, to commit our lives to full-time Christian ministry. And what an incredible privilege that was for us to share that same day, yet we didn't know each other for almost three, well, until a little over three years after that. That's right. And, uh, you know, that was just part of God's plan. He was working in both of our lives individually. So when we came together and first became friends and then uh, well, later... Don't spoil it. Oh, don't spoil it. They okay. don't know that well, we got married kind of yet. Oh, yeah, right out. <laughs> Same well, last name. What's really cool, so you lived in Illinois. Your parents then spent a year in Venezuela on a mission on the mission field. You lived yes. in a boarding house mm-hmm. and or boarding school. And from that move from Illinois to Venezuela to Minneapolis... And I knew that you guys, you and your sister Mary, were moving because both of you um, had uh, friends already in Minneapolis that were friends of mine. And uh, But that first Sunday in Minneapolis, you guys visited my church, That's not right. their churches. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, and, and we started off a friendship that day. And I don't have, that's the only date in our relationship that I don't have down. I know. We should probably go back and try to figure it. Mom and dad, if they're listening, they can pull out some old calendars or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was uh, August of 1982, but that's all we know. That's right. Yeah, but how so- neat even is that, Jim, that we got to build, start our relationship in a church and um, that was the foundation for um, getting to know each other. All right. It wasn't too long after that that our youth pastor at the church where we went got uh, fired, and you and I started doing uh, volunteer uh, junior high youth ministry together. We did. I thought that was really cool. And as I started looking at all the different ways that God, we were doing that before we even started dating, weren't we? Yes, we were just good friends. (laughs) Just good friends. And and then this, um, yes, we're telling our love story a little bit, but today, but it all really fits into how did we get here? Because without Martha, I wouldn't be here. I I am the man of God that I am because of the incredible wife I have along my side. And and so in uh, the spring of 1984, Martha and I took on the task of providing a prom alternative at our church. Uh, we were both we were both working. You were working at a Mazda dealership at the time. I was working at the church as a custodian, and we were both going stag uh, because you had. I think you still had a boyfriend, didn't you? Somebody else, somebody other. I don't know. Yeah, that's irrelevant. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so we were going stag, and our good friend Scott said, "Hey, you guys should just go together." And I said, "Hmm." That's a pretty good idea, and that was the beginning. May eleventh, nineteen eighty four, is our first date. It was, and a year later, we got engaged. Uh, and really, after our first date, we came home. The next morning, I went up to my mother and said, I think I'm going to marry Martha. And my mom looks at me. It probably scared her a little It probably bit. did. She's never really told me how she felt that <laughs> Thank day. Thank you, Marie, and, for yeah. putting up with that conversation. That's right. So we, uh, so that was the day God really started weaving our lives together. It was May 11th, 1984. So we, we fast forward. We get married a couple years later after we finished school. I've got an IT degree with a business minor. You've got a business major with an accounting minor. And we both started off right away. In business, I was programming, you're doing accounting, accounts payable, accounts receivable, and we had big business careers, but they were just jobs. Yeah, they really were. And nobody up to that point in time had ever talked to us about how our faith intersected with our workplace. We'd never, ever heard a sermon before that about how the way we act on Monday through Saturday should be the same as we act on Sunday. No, in fact, I think we spent a lot of our time figuring out how we could minister after work and on the weekends and stuff. We never thought about how we could minister while we were working. And how we'd make money. We made money so we could give money to the church. We could participate in building programs. We made money so we could help support the youth ministry. We made Mm -hmm. money to help do those things. But we, we, we never looked at our workplace like a mission field. Now, we had some opportunities to do some ministry, and I can think of some of those times, but we weren't ministry minded. At least I wasn't ministry minded. 
Yeah, I think that there were, I think it's in both of our nature to care for the people that worked under us and that reported to us. And we did those things, just being Jesus in the workplace, but not necessarily with an intention um, or a purpose, nor did we ever think that doing our day-to-day jobs was fulfilling that call of, here am I, Lord, send me. Right. We, you know, we were both, I mean, it, when we looked at making that commitment, we thought that that would eventually land us in a pastorate position within a church. In fact, after he graduated, got our first house, I then applied to Bethel Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota to be to get my MDiv. I'm not even sure what that really stands for, but Masters of Divinity, I don't know what that really means. Not that I'll ever master being divine. I'm pretty sure that's God's job. <laughs> but uh, so we had enrolled, uh, I got accepted, and then... Uh, we got into a conversation with the senior pastor at our church, and he says to me, he goes, Jim, and I looked at him like, yes, sir. He goes, I don't think you're cut out for full-time paid ministry in a church. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm a totally great youth pastor. I'd be, we were doing youth ministry as volunteers. He goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I don't think you can handle having 400 bosses. Meaning everyone in the congregation was your boss. Right. And I'm like, well... Okay. So I really wrestled with that. I'm like, okay, I just, I, I took it. They hired another youth pastor at our church and moved on. Then four or five years later, we had been involved in a different church. The same conversation happens again. I'm thinking, I want to get in seminary. I want to be a youth pastor. And our past youth pastor had been eliminated again. And so we're applying for the position. And uh, this time God sends the senior pastor and his wife to our house. Remember that conversation? Our living room, the, pian- the room we had the piano in. Mm-hmm. They're yes. sitting across from us. And I'm thinking, man, what did I do wrong now? And he's like, no, 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 you didn't do anything wrong, but we just really want to talk to you about this. We just don't really think you're cut out for full-time paid church ministry. I'm like, really? Yeah, we just don't think that's where you're supposed to be. We don't think you can handle having 400 bosses. And I'm like, Lord, seriously? you have heard this before. Yeah, I hear an <laughs> echo five years later. So that was the end of me pursuing church ministry. But yet we have did almost 20 years of volunteer youth ministry, did Thousands and thousands of miles driving bus across the country, spent thousands and thousands of hours with teens. It was fantastic. But in 1999, God started shifting our paradigm, which was which is really cool. But as part of that, hey, let's give a little background on our family. We've okay. got we've got three kids. Okay, uh, you know that. Yes, I okay, do know okay. That. Just, you're acting like that was a shock to you. Okay? <laughs> That's right. We've got an, a, as a result of our youth ministry, we've got who we, what we call a foster daughter in Ohio and her family, and we've got an we actually adopted a kid from our youth group. Her her name is Sarah, and we've got a younger daughter who is biological, whose also name is Sarah. Don't even ask us how that all happened. Uh, and we've got a son named Joshua, smacked in, in between in the middle. Right. So we're young and we have grandkids who are 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. It's the great way to do it. <laughs> it's a great way. A couple of weeks they'll be coming down to spend some time here in the Florida to get away from the frozen tundra. So we've got three kids. We've been doing volunteer ministry and all of a sudden in 1999, God sends a buddy of ours from our small group Bible study we were in. One of the greatest experiences ever was a small group Bible study. And uh, this guy named Greg, and I'd like to thank Greg personally on the air today. He said, Jim, you and Martha need to go through Crown Financial Ministries. And I'm like, why? He said, what's that? <laughs> well, I, I said, what's that? He says, well, mm-hmm. it's the biblical principles of finance. I'm like, I already know everything the Bible says about money. I know I said that to him. I remember I'm saying I'm sure that. you did. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, no. You really need to go through this. I'm like, okay. Okay, we'll do it. We'll go through it. And right as that happened, 
we had an opportunity to start the merger of our insurance agency that we had, that we had started from scratch, and a chain of insurance agencies in southwestern Minnesota, not too far from Walnut Grove, where the Ingalls lived. In a, in a town, house on the prairie. That's right. Gaylord, Nicollet, and Mankato, Minnesota. And uh, so we started taking this course. Martha got to go to the course. I did it all kind of via mail. I got to go to a couple of the sessions, but it shifted our paradigm permanently. It was the best thing that ever happened to our marriage other than being married to you, honey, going through that course, because all of a sudden we understood God's perspective on finance. Yeah, it is such a solid Bible study um, that really gave us good perspective and a real handle on where we were in life and what the scripture said about um, our finances and how we should be honoring God with them. And it really changed the way we looked at everything. Even though we'd been tithing, we'd been supporting missionaries, it wasn't about that. It was really about where was our heart and where were we using our finances. And really shifted our perspective on debt. Up to that point in time, we had done a very good job of doing the typical American thing, keeping up with the Joneses. And and we just, all of a sudden we realized that something in one of the classes said, you know, if the Lord asks you to do something, will you be able to just say yes? Or will your debt keep you from saying yes? And so we said, Lord, we really, we, now that we went through that class, we really want to be debt-free by the time we're 40. And we were 33 at the time. And, and that's an amazing part of our story on how God immediately started answering that question so that when we were asked to go on the radio and pay for it several years ago, we were able to do it. So there's a lot more to that story. We're talking today about how did I work for him get here? What was the pathway that God led us? And Martha said on the break, she goes, we need to have more fun. Most days <laughs> we have a lot of fun. And I'm not meaning to not have fun today, but I'm just share, we're just sharing the testimony, our hearts, on how God got us here. And it involves some pretty serious stuff because God has made some major moves in our lives from intersecting us as 13-year-olds to involving us in a lot of volunteer ministry to then colliding our lives in 1999 with Crown Financial Ministries where we made a commitment then. We said, Lord, we want to be able to say, when you ask us to go, we want to be able to say yes. We don't want debt to stand in our way. And so we made a commitment. We want to be debt-free in seven years. And God performed a bunch of miraculous things to get us debt-free in seven years. It was incredible. He did. And, you know, anytime you, when you look back in your life, when you're able to look in that rearview mirror and see what God did and how he orchestrated things that we could have never hoped or imagined, um, it's really neat when we can give him the glory and say, you know, this is not something that we made up. This is not something that we pushed to happen Yes, we worked hard, but God really um, honored our, the desires of our heart, and uh, we're, we're able to make that a part of our testimony. And that's really what our lives are really all about, is just using the experiences that we've had to um, teach other people that God uses ordinary people in amazing ways, and if you allow him to do that. You know, God took our lives from 1991 to 2003, and in the insurance business, we sold personal lines insurance up there in the frozen tundra, and we had a lot of opportunities for ministry. We had a lot of opportunities to get involved with couples whose marriages were falling apart because you got to talk to both sides of them as you're splitting their insurance apart. A lot of opportunities to minister, but we never really didn't understand that it was supposed to be intentional. We had a lot of opportunities to, to touch lives of our employees. But we made a lot of mistakes. But what happened is after we merged our insurance agency with a couple of other, with an insurance agency chain in southwestern Minnesota, all of a sudden we had a, we had a, we had a doctor tell Martha, Martha suffered from being cold all the time, circulation problem in Minnesota, which, by the way, in Minnesota it's cold 10, 10 months of the year. <laughs> uh, and she had chronic sinus problems. And the doctor said to us right after we did this merger, he said, you guys need to move to the south. 
somewhere where it's salt air all the time and it's warm all the time. And yes, there's a difference. And we're like, well, we just bought these insurance agency chains. Well, he goes, you can move now and your kids will be Floridians or you can move later and the kids will be visitors, but you're going to move. And we said, okay. So we spent the next four years running up to 2003, working on getting that insurance agency going. Martha was in charge of customer service. We was in charge of a huge IT project, automating many things within the agency. And I was a salesperson and the manager. And, and we learned a lot of, we made a lot of mistakes in how to manage. And we made a lot of good things and how to, how to run big IT projects. But in 2003, God moved us to Florida, Indian Rocks Beach, Florida. And this is when the I Work For Him story took high gear. Because right after the day we moved in, to, I think it was the 4th or 5th, I should know that date. I know the kids started school on the 6th of August, but on the 4th or 5th of August, we started a new connection group at our church, yes. First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, uh, which now is just called Indian Rocks. And uh, that day we met this great couple, Bob and Deanna. Mm-hmm. And, and we immediately hit it off with them. And shortly after that, Bob gives me a copy of the book, Halftime. Now, right then, we moved down here. Martha started right into the insurance business again. I stuck back. I, I stayed back. We had a used car dealership in Minnesota. I came back, and I just was selling used cars for fun because I was exhausted from that whole get the agency ready to sell before we moved down here. And so I was just, I was just selling used cars, which, by the way, is no small task here in Florida. And so I get this book, Halftime, by Bob Buford. And I read this book, and it's all about the chase, the, the elusive chase of success versus the significant eternal chase of significance. Mm-hmm. And I finished that book, Martha, and, and I, I don't remember if I ever said it out loud to you or not, so you can say it on the air and just embarrass me. I, I walked away from, I want to lead a life of success. I want to lead a life, excuse me, I want to lead a life, I just blew it. <laughs> I want to lead a life of significance. I don't want to waste any more time pursuing success because success will never reach it. It's, there's always just a little bit more. I want to pursue something that was significant. Right. I think at that point in our life, it really resonated. Um, we often joked at that point in our life that you were forcing yourself into a midlife crisis. Yes, we did. Because you were God trying to decide what to do in Florida and what occupation. And you'd made a long list of things that you would like to do in your lifetime. And um, you were fulfilling the the used car dealership thing at that time. But um being able to, that book was just a real eye-opener. It was a catalyst for us. It really was. And so it's kind of funny. So when you take that book, I read that book, and all of a sudden God decides to dump my bucket list. Not dump it and like not let me go through it. He lets me go through it. I, I had my own car dealership in my own location. It was one of my number one things. I, I taught 7th and 8th grade math for a year because that was on my bucket list. And then I had a, a, a dream of always working with a very good friend of mine, uh, and he hired me to work on a huge project in Orlando. And that was when God took it to the next level. I started commuting in 2005 to uh, Orlando from Indian Rocks Beach, exit 55 on I-4. By the way, I-4 is the second deadliest highway in the country. And I made a commitment when I started doing it uh, three times a week in the spring of 2006. I said, Lord, I'm not going to use my radio in the morning. I'm a big talk radio listener. I've been listening to talk radio since I was a little kid, eight eight years old. I said, I'm not going to listen to the radio. I'm going to just pray. And my brother had inspired me to really start being serious about how I prayed. And, and he, they've always been such a great example for us, Martha. Uh, John and April have always been such a fantastic example. And so I just, I just started praying. And I started praying for my family members. And I started praying for my kids. And I started praying for our extended family. And I started praying for my bosses. Yeah. I don't remember who suggested it, but he just started doing it. Mm-hmm. I think when, you know, you, at one point you showed me your list of people that you were praying for. And I think part of it is just you thought about who do I spend my time with? Who am I around all the time and where is God 
have influence. And I never would imagine what a transformation that was in my life. It, it helped me work through a lot of bitterness that I had towards people. I, I had an anger problem growing up and needed to understand what the root of that was. And I just started learning how to pray so the bitterness never grabbed hold of my life. And it was just transformational. All those mornings, every morning I drove to Orlando, and I didn't do it every day for five years, but I did it many days. I never turned the radio on, and I just prayed. What was really cool is God used that then in late 2006 or early 2007 my buddy Bob, who gave me halftime, he sends me Oz Hillman's daily devotional, Today God is First. Yes, TGIF. TGIF. And you can still get it today. Go on to Oz Hillman's website, marketplaceleaders.com. Or is it .org? Just type in Oz Hillman Marketplace Leaders and you'll find it. And I signed up for Today God is First, and I started getting these daily devotionals about, here's how you can incorporate your faith every day into your workplace. I'm like, no way. No, no way. I've never heard a sermon on this. Well, or even any kind of devotion no, or anything. Nothing. I mean, because he just, he, Oz has such an amazing way of looking at scripture and saying, you know, this is something we can apply with our coworkers or where you're at as a manager or a leader and implementing that. And they're wonderful to read. And so God starts laying on my heart this ministry model of mentoring Christian business people, because up until that point in time, the only people I'd ever lost money to in a business transaction were people who called themselves Christians. And it drove me nuts. Mm -hmm. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're going to take advantage of somebody. You know, and, and, and everybody I've ever talked to, when I ask them that question, have you ever been taken advantage by, by somebody who called themselves a Christian? I'm not saying they were. I'm just saying they called themselves, quote unquote, a Christian. They might have actually used that to get yeah. the job. Hey, I'm a Christian. Do business with me. Run! Run! Anyway, so <laughs> God starts using me. I'm praying for my bosses. And, and, and then the economy crashes in 2008. September 2008, the end of the month. We all remember it well because it impacted the world. But what was really cool is because of the bosses I was working for, because of them being brought to the end of the rope, I was given an opportunity to help lead one of my bosses to Christ, disciple a couple of other of my, of my employees, feed into many others of them, and really impact a couple of other bosses where they just, they all of a sudden saw their faith much more seriously. They saw exactly how it connected. And I said, Lord, I understand this model. I understand how this is going to work. This is really, really cool. Martha, we, we've laid up to this point in time, right at the end where the recession hit, and, and I just realized, wow, I really can be a minister in my own workplace. And it was such an eye-opener. But then somebody gave me, I'm sure you brought it down, because by then you're managing Karis Christian Books and Gifts. You brought home a book by Francis Chan uh, called Forgotten God. Yeah, and the forgotten God is the Holy Spirit. Right, and it's because most evangelical churches out there don't ever talk about the Holy Spirit, or they talk very little about the work of the Holy Spirit. And just two pages in there really impacted my life. It said, listen, if you just are successful with your natural gifts, talents, and abilities, and then when you are successful, then you just get the credit. But if God uses you to do something totally unexplainable by your nat natural gifts, talents, and abilities, well, then God will get the credit. Well, I'm like, Lord... After I read that book, I said, Lord, that's what I want. I want a job where your, the success that I see will be because of you, and people will give you the credit. Well, that was an amazing journey. As, as Then I, started a, I helped launch an IT brand right here in Tampa Bay, and through that process, I started networking all over Tampa Bay, and I started seeing my opportunity to be a minister all the time, networking one-to-ones and Paneras and Starbucks and everywhere, opportunities to share my faith, to share my story, and how God was laying on my heart a ministry to, to minister to workplace believers, whether they're owners or employees or managers or supervisors. But my heart and my passion was to help each one of us 
to be equipped for the workplace. And I said, Lord, I could see how I can, I said, Lord, I'll know, you've given me this vision of a workplace mentoring program for business, Christian business owners and employees. And it involves not only helping them see their, their worth of their faith in their workplace, but also at home, because if at home, it's messed up. It impacts your workplace, but a whole rounded ability to help somebody look at their, their workplace from a Christ-like standpoint. But as part of that, also to plug Christian business people into the third world mission field, both with their bodies so they can see and experience true poverty, but also with their money so that they've got a place to shove the profits, a portion of the profits from their business. That was all of this model that God laid on my heart. And I said, Lord, I, I, you keep, I, I'll know you want me before when you give me a name. And Martha in the bookstore always worked late on Wednesday nights. And I had been working on this list for years and years and years, had 132 names. And, and I, Lord, I, I just, give me a name. I mean, come on. And, and that night, November 20th, 2012, I wrote down, I work for him. Mm-hmm. Did I call you that night and say, I you got did. the name? You did. You were very excited about it. You said, I've got it. God gave me the name. I know what it's supposed to be called. It's supposed to be called, I work for him. And it was a little I. And yep. then big work. And then four, the number four, and then him in capital. And and I bought the GoDaddy website that night, and I bought it all. I'm like, I'm yeah, so excited. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, and I said, Lord, I said that, and I said, I could see how I can help four or five Christian business people at a time, Christian business men, because I'm not going to be mentoring Christian business women. I said, but I don't, how do I get the message out to thousands of people? And you just were unsure of that, but that was just a, yeah, because a how question. I, right. How am I going to mm-hmm. get speaking engagements? Well, it was 90 days later. I was speaking at the last event before we launched the Christian Chamber of Commerce Tampa Bay, found online at c3tb.org. And I was speaking about five ways to incorporate your faith into the workplace. And I sat down next to the only person in the room I didn't know. And it turns out she owned a radio station. And she says to me, Jim, you need to talk about that on the radio. And I looked back at her and said, you're nuts. <laughs> I make a very long story short because we're running out of radio time today. We went out for lunch, uh, Martha and myself and this station owner, and we said, uh, she tells us all about it, and, and she drops the bomb on us. By the way, Christian Radio, you got to pay. I'm like, so wait a minute, you want me to do a radio show, but I have to pay? <laughs> like, wait a minute, how does that work? Well, you can get sponsors for the show. And I'm trying to think of all these ways to tell her no. And as Martha and I got in the car after lunch, I said, Martha, I want to tell her no. But I prayed for a life, a pursuit of significance. I prayed for a job where if I was successful, only God could could be given glory. And I prayed for a way to get the message out to thousands. So I'm pretty sure this is the answer to that prayer, but I don't like the way it looks. (laughs) Yeah, you you wanted to fight against it, but you knew that it was um, God-ordained. It was an amazing thing. And so we just said, Yes. And that was in the spring of 2013. We went on the air April 15th, 2013, just once a week. And we had no way, no idea knowing how it was going to get paid for. Mm -hmm. And the Lord has taken us where we went from one day a week to three days a week to four days a week to five days a week. And I quit my full-time job. And we still had no idea how God was going to pay for it. But the amazing thing is he has paid for it every, every month. Every step of the journey. And that goes back to why we were sharing our testimony about Crown Financial that just um, because God um, charged us to have our, called us. our finances in order, um, it just allowed us to be able to be obedient to whatever that might be and not knowing what that would be. But he has provided miraculously, and um, we've been able to do it on the air. And it's funny because, you know, I, we'd heard many times, God 
doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Mm-hmm. And, and we're like, well, okay, if that's the truth, then he's going to find a way to pay for this, all this money every year. And, and, and so it's, it was, it's been an incredible journey. Uh, and so I really want to talk now on, so we got on the air, but I'd never been on the radio before. You know, everybody says, well, Jim, is that what you always wanted to do? I'm like, no, if you look at my bucket <laughs> list, which I still have a copy of my bucket list, I've got it scanned in somewhere. Nowhere on there was ever talk radio host. No. Never. Never. All of my friends, they never, ever heard me utter a word about being on the radio. No. They all knew that you love to listen to talk radio, and that's been a part of your life all along. So you have a, a great appreciation for it, but you never had ever thought about being on the radio. So when we launched I Work For Him, honey, we uh, I, we didn't know what we were really going to do. I mean, it was a, it was such a new experience. And I thought at first, well, I'll just do, I'll, I'll be like Rush Limbaugh, and I'll just talk for three hours. <laughs> so I did one, I did my first show. 310 shows ago, and I said, yeah, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> you didn't want to be all by yourself in a room six, with a microphone. I think I've done six monologues. Well, I have spoken in front of crowds of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people. No big deal. But you get in a room with a microphone, and you have an engineer staring at you. <laughs> You're like, what, what do I do now? Uh, and, and I just decided, you know what? There's a lot of people that are really experts in this field. i got to bring them on the show. And so we decided we started building a model. Yeah. For I work for him. Well, and the really neat thing is, is that God has just continued to reveal incredible guests for you to have on the show. And they're not people that have been able to share their testimony necessarily. This may be the first time they actually share how they are incorporating Christ in their workplace, um, in whatever business that God has called them to. And it's just been neat how God reveals different people and exposes us to them and their willingness to come and encourage the listeners, because that's the bottom line. That's why we're here, is to encourage everybody that your workplace is your mission field and how you can see that in other people encourages you to do it yourself. Yes, your workplace is your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. That's right. So we have to take it very, very serious. You know, everybody needs a chance to meet Jesus, but there's very few people today that if they haven't been going to church, they're not going to go to church. It's not going to be their first option on Sunday. They're going to go, I'm going to go anywhere but church. And so we need to bring church to the workplace. We need to bring Jesus to the workplace. And so this show is all about helping you understand in your faith and me understand. I mean, really, we, this, we're in this journey along with you, but help us all understand how best to connect our faith and our workplace each and every day. And so we, we, we chase it three different ways. Actually, we chase it four different ways. <laughs> the first way we do it is we bring on authors who have written great books or have written great blog articles or, you know, you know, web log articles, you know, web articles uh, that really talk about how do you incorporate your faith in your workplace. There's some fantastic resources out there, some fantastic websites, friends that I've made, but that's one. So we bring on authors. Uh, the next thing we do, and those are, we've had some great authors on, and they always give away a book, and every time, yeah, speaking of the book highlight segment, Jose's going, he didn't throw anything at the window. It'd be a great time to do our book highlight segment. You know what? Why don't we do that right now since I messed up and I hadn't done it yet? All right. And you're so going to give away one I'm of your favorite I'm going to give away books. one of my favorite books. Jose, can we do that still? All right. Our book highlight segment is brought to you, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Book today is Halftime by Bob Buford. It is the, I've given away this book more than probably just as many as I've given away Bibles. So call right now, get a copy. If you're 35 to 55 and you've been pursuing success and realize it's left you empty, pursue a life of significance and hear how Bob Buford did that in his book called Halftime. Call into the studio line now, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. And remember, you need to read this book. Don't wait for the movie.
right, call on the studio line now, 877-943-9673. Get your copy of Halftime. All right, so as we talk about, we bring on authors onto the show. Uh, but we also bring on local Christian business owners who have a testimony to share. Local Christian business owners who are trying to figure out, how does this really work? Yeah, and it's so encouraging to hear just maybe some way that they've been challenged by the Lord in their walk to make a difference in their workplace um, with their employees, with their customers, in the way they do business, what's on their business card, whatever it may be. And that is such an encouragement to the listeners and to us. We're constantly learning new ways that we can incorporate. And we, also, and we also bring on employees of businesses who share. They're not necessarily the owner, but they're an employee within the business where they get to share their testimony. Right. One of the other things we do is there's a lot of ministries out there that minister to Christian business people and disciple them on how to incorporate their faith into the workplace. CBMC, C12, Truth at Work, Halftime. I'll forget a bunch of them. What, yeah. am I, what am I forgetting? That's okay. The well, Institute of Faith, Work, well, and Economics. Well, if they listen every day, right. they you'll, will get to know get, what some of those to, are. So we bring on those to be able to share what they're doing and how you can get involved. Uh, and we also, we realize that we, when Martha, Martha and I are passionate about marriage and, and helping those who are married stay married. Mm-hmm. And so we realized there was something missing in our shows, and we decided to, on Tuesdays, for the last year and a half, Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha, we talk about marriage and relationship issues because if your marriage and your relationships are a mess, that carries back into the workplace. And so if you are a business owner and you're a Christ follower and you're a business owner, if you have something wrong with your relationships, it's going to impact your workplace. And so we talk about how do we build stronger marriages, stronger relationships. We're talking today about where did I Work For Him come from? And we're running out of time, but we want to let you know what's it look like. One other feature of I Work For Him, this is a new feature, now that we moved over here to Faith Talk 570 and 910, is the I Work For Him Radio Roundtable every Friday. That's right. So we're hoping that people will participate and either call in or on our Facebook page, give us ideas of things they want to um, discuss or talk about on Fridays when we're doing Radio Roundtable. Yeah. How do we really put I Work For Him into practice in our workplaces? We know a lot of people questions have already started getting questions via email. If you've got a question on how do you incorporate your faith into your workplace, just send either one of us an email, jim at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com or martha at iworkforhim.com. Send us an email saying, hey, what do I do in this situation? How do I incorporate it? So we've got lots of ways you're going to learn alongside of us on I Work For Him. We've got authors. We've got ministries. We've got people sharing their testimonies. We've got talking about marriage and relationships on Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha and every Friday, learning from each other. The I Work For Him Radio Roundtable. That's quite a lineup. It is. We're pretty excited about it. I'm tired just talking about it. It's been great. If you've just tuned in right now and you're just finding out, well, who's this guy? What happened to the last guy? You're going to have to go out to iworkforhim.com and listen to the archive tonight. I'm Jim Brangenberg. I got my wife, Martha Brangenberg. We're just talking about where did I Work For Him come from? Fast conversation, but good just to re, to remind us of where we all came from. It wasn't it, Martha? Yes. It was a lot of fun. We liked for people to get to know us a little bit so they know our heart. It's a lot of fun. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN, I'd like to thank Jose Cruz for his support today and for handling the controls with precision. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I I work work for him. him.